No, I believe it. Hello, and welcome to Dorks on Sports, a podcast about four dorks talking about sports. My name is Daniel. Joining me, as always, is Curtis Deeswood. Curtis, how's it going over there? Good. Um, I got her all right here. You got no. Hi, <laughs> For the for the podcast listeners, head over to YouTube. You can you can see Curtis's cat. I have uh, I also have my cat Penny. Uh, there's my cat. So uh, so if you want to see some kitties, head over to uh, to the YouTube channel and you you can see you can see your cat guests. Hi Earl, I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> uh, Millie, how are you doing over there? I uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks so much yeah. for asking. You're welcome. Uh, I know your 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 fantasy teams have been in kind of a free fall, and and uh, and that the fantasy seasons are ending pretty soon, right? Yeah, the going uh, into playoffs anyway. Playoffs are coming soon. I think um, week fifteen. For, yeah. For mostly are are, are you going to be playing in week fifteen? <laughs> well, you know, we'll see. It was it was a good week all around. I won all my games. Yeah. I won my match against my father, who is normally my kryptonite. So that was Ooh, a big win for me. That's a nice win. I won in my Folger Shakespeare League, which <laughs> felt bittersweet because it was the battle of Team Eleven. That's me and Team Twelve. Uh, mm. My good friend Phil, who. Um, I don't know if he's giving up, if he had a tough week, I meant to reach out, but like oh. three people who were out were in his lineup. So you can't feel too proud of yourself when you get that kind of win. Phil, what, what's going on over there, buddy? Right, right. Are you, de- are you depressed? Have you given up? We're worried. Can you draft. reach out? He was, uh, Email he was us. there for the Vegas draft and he accidentally drafted his first pick and didn't tell us all that it was an accident. We would have gone back. Oh um, no, Phil, what did he draft? Yeah. Oh, he drafted um Travis ATN in the first round. Oof. Um by that's accident. a blunder. Yeah. How did he take that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel real, I feel real bad for him. Um, and I, I beat him and I'm not excited about it. So that's, you know, no, you know I, what, Millie, you earned it. Oh, thanks. Take that win. Yeah. I think I, I did actually score like the fourth or fifth most points this week. So, you know, well, nice. there you go. All right. Nice work. There, Good I think job. There might be a tiny chance in that league, but probably not. Um, and then in guillotine league, where I finally decided to toot my own horn and let the rest of the league know that I <laughs> had the top score for four weeks. I had yeah. the top score all season. Finally decided to tell them that, which of course means that I was 0.6 away from being eliminated this week. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> this yeah, is what like, happens. Like Icarus, you, you flew a little too close to the sun. Oh, it was, it was terrifying. The commissioner was like, did you check for stat corrections? And I was like, all day long. It did not, nothing changed. Thank you, fantasy gods. I will, my hubris is gone. Yeah. We're done with that. <laughs> Alana, welcome back. Good to see you. Good to see you as well. Sorry, how I missed you, last week. How are you doing over there? How's it going? How are things? How's life? Um, I want to say that playing basketball is great. But getting older and playing basketball is not as great it's because really not. like my lower, my lower half is just like, I got, I've, I've, I think I've injured my big toe on my right foot. And like, that is not 
a good feeling. Like every time I'm trying to push off, it's just like, Ugh! you know, and then like my whole left knee is just like in a state. I got crappy ankles. Like <laughs> it's, there's a lot. <laughs> Can I tell you, I played like football a few years ago and uh, the next day I felt like I was hit by a Mack truck. Yeah, I get home at the end of, because I play basketball on every Wednesday night. We're recording on a Wednesday. Uh, And I get home sometimes and it's like, oh, don't touch me. I hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like lower yourself in the Epsom salt. Yeah, I did a, I did a turkey bowl on turkey day and uh, it took me. Friday through Saturday, even like walking up that concourse at Lumen Field was freaking brutal. <laughs> well, like my, my legs just like the next day, and I was fine after the game. I was just like going around the house, you know, carving up turkey, doing all this stuff. Everything's fine. Everything's great. And then the next day, I get out of bed to go take a piss brush my teeth and i'm like walking like i'm 80 years old that's because the the stairs going up to where we were sitting at lumen field was about a mile and a half yeah yeah we were were up in the rafters (laughs) we were we you couldn't get any further than the rafters than where curtis and i were it was a great view though (laughs) hundred bucks to watch that over time (laughs) oh well let's get into it let's get into it so uh, uh, the the Raiders, the hapless Raiders, come to town. What I think they were, they had won three games before they played us. Um, and uh, worst pass rush in the league, worst defense in the league, um, and uh, and uh, they did whatever they wanted with the Seahawks. Um, uh, it, they ran all over the Seahawks. Uh, I mean, the Seahawks got their points. It ended up being a shootout, um, and it went into. OT uh where they won on an 86 yard run walk off which was about the most humiliating way Pete Carroll can lose a game um it looked exactly like that Tampa Bay game looked everything about that game uh looked ex- it, it was like um an identical twin to that Tampa Bay game. Uh, They couldn't stop the run. It was just like five yard gash, six yard gash. Uh, They couldn't get, uh, they they couldn't get off the field on third down um, and they couldn't establish a run. The run wasn't going anywhere. Um, So (laughs) where do we go from here? What is this team? Uh, Do we need to temper expectations? Um, It seemed like, the Seahawks had started to get their shit together a little bit. Um, and then everything that they were doing at the beginning of the season that wasn't working has crept back in since that Tampa Bay game. So Curtis, what's happening with this team? I'm very tempered. <laughs> very tempered with this team. Uh, I, you know, um, I, I feel like they've regressed back to the first, uh month of the season uh on defense there um mike i'm not i'm not a super uh you know defensive nutball you know um guru or anything like that but i can recognize when 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 a front is attacking and when it's doing more read and react 
sort of stuff. And in the first chunk of games in the season, there was just, there was a lot of, there was a lot of sort of passive two gapping sort of, you know, um, holding arms length with the defensive line, with the offensive linemen and the blockers and not really penetrating and attacking the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And we were getting gashed big time and it was pretty embarrassing. Um, and what is my cat doing? My cat's doing weird <laughs> shit. But either way, <laughs> stop that. Um, yeah, he's probably tired of me saying this around the house. Uh, and then, you know, and then so there was this big shift, right, through this four game stretch. And um, they kind of went back to like an older style of football that, you know, that was coached when they were doing the bear front for the last couple of years. And when, you know, when they were doing more of the traditional, uh, you know, uh, 4-3 stuff under Dan Quinn, where they were really attacking the gaps and attacking the line of scrimmage. And they were taking, you know, they were taking their sort of, I mean, basically they were taking their aggressions out at the gaps and making it more difficult for the blockers. And so they were able to stuff the run against, you know, the, um, the team, going in the the what was the, the giants that we all sort of feared like oh how are they going to stop barkley and what did they do they stopped barkley right yeah so they and and they they put pressure and they stopped the quarterback who everybody thought was you know was coming around and was like the new hot thing and so they've played great ball when they've been in attack mode and then they played really lousy ball when they've been in more of a passive read and react mode and what i've sort of seen for the last couple of games i feel is more in that read and react sort of stuff which is very common for the teams that run that three four defense you know that's that's a defense that that historically is an easier defense to run against because that's a defense that you sort of play if you're in a pass happy division mm-hmm you know, because you can blitz a lot easier, you can disguise coverages, and you can make things a little bit more difficult on the quarterback in theory. But if a team decides that, like, okay, we're not going to play that way, we're just going to play, you know, smash mouth with, you know, um, a bunch of tight ends and a pullback, and we're just going to run it down the middle, like, you know, the Tampa Bay Bucks did, and what the Raiders basically mimicked, you know, that three, four stuff becomes very vulnerable. And so, for me, I'm kind of like, let's go back to the stuff that stops the run because well, this and is what I, doing to us, you know. I mean, I ironically, like in that four game stretch when we were doing that, we were also getting after the quarterback quite a bit. Like that pass. Yeah, because we were attacking. On. I mean, they were they were doing that and then they were yeah, I think they were just sort of the, the guys, the guys that they have. So the guys that they have, um, on the defensive line are pretty good penetrating a good quality, like penetrating defensive tackles. If you look at like Shelby Harris and Puna Ford and Quinton Jefferson, like those guys can like, can, can get up field pretty quickly and they can, you know, they can, they can beat blockers by penetrating the gaps. And then you've got these speed rushers that do pretty good, you know, coming off the edges in a combination of that when you have them doing that. But if you have, I don't know. I just think there's too much there's too much paralysis by overanalysis with trying to make, you know, a complicated thing for the quarterback. And they're just, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. 
uh, whatever it is, it is like the opposite of what a Pete Carroll team uh, looks like. And he was looked pretty pissed coming off the field. I, I don't know if I've seen Pete Carroll look that disappointed. He, he's looked sad before when he's lost a game, like at the, you know, especially yeah. that Super Bowl and stuff, but he looked disappointed, like disappointed in the team. Like he looked well, if you, like if you think disappointed about it, dad. If you think about it really quickly, you know, he's, he's, he's losing games in which he used to beat teams by. And, yeah, and, totally. He's getting, and he made a, terrible. he made a switch at defensive coordinator last year, uh, firing somebody who has been like a long time, close personal friend of his Yeah, for the idea of this new style defense that they're bringing in and the new style defense when it's been playing through this stretch of bad games has looked significantly worse than the defense that was run by his old pal, Ken Norton Jr. <laughs> At least Ken Norton Jr.'s defenses could stop the run. Right. You know, they were kind of, they, they were, they were, they were, kind of shitty at the pass, you know, defending the pass and, and, and a lot of phases, but they always sort of made a mid-season adjustment where they got better towards the end of the season defending the pass. And, and by the time we got in December, it all kind of connected up and you're going like, oh shit, you know, Seattle's got a good defense again. And it looks the like scary thing right now as it feels like, is like we're heading into December and it's just like, oh my God, this whole thing, this whole experiment with the three, four, it looks like it's on the verge of falling apart. Yeah. you know and you know so, it's just like so yeah i can understand the coach being like okay this has got to stop we yeah. gotta fix this now well especially when they <laughs> have a, a talented team like i yeah. i mean i i really do believe they have the pieces on that team to you know um knock on the door of contending um the other kind of concerning thing uh over the past two games is uh they haven't been able to get Walker going. Um, he had some nice moments uh, against the Raiders that like beast mode style uh, five yard dragon, you know, a pile uh, into the end zone was fun to watch, mm -hmm. but I think he ended the game with like 29 yards, which is not great. Um, Alana, is that, uh, should we be concerned about that? Like, is that no. a trend or is that just like a couple of bad games? I think it's a couple of bad games. I mean, you've got the rookie wall as being one part of it. He didn't come into the season expecting to be the lead horse. We've also not been really, we've kind of got that Pete Carroll thing of not being super creative with our runs in terms, mm -hmm. not in terms of like, I want a lot of jet sweeps or I want a lot of pitches or things like that, but running on first down, running on second down, passing on third down and right. doing that kind of cadence throughout the game. Um, and we still do that. And, you know, but we also come off of it like right away when there's a sign of trouble at times, because he only had 14 carries, right? Like, yeah, it was weird. Vegas, Vegas committed to the run. They stuck with the run. Uh, even though early in the game, there were maybe some two or three yard runs. It was mostly four to six yard runs and an 86 yard run. So like, are we a team that's committed to the run or not? So for me, when it comes to the question about the run game is it's an execution problem. Uh, mm -hmm. And then because we don't execute, we change the scheme and then we go to the pass. Now, there are some other clumsy issues like that fumble 
um, uh, that happened on a botched handoff. If I'm not, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Did, did anybody? Um, what was that about? Did they? Did did they, they ever said, say? They said it was supposed to be um, that it was a designed. Um, it was a, it was going to be an intentional um, uh, quarterback keeper. Um, it was, <laughs> um, it. It was it was it was going to be a fake a fake handoff, and it was going to be a keeper for Gino. But the exchange got the like. I think the fault may have been more with um, with Gino than it was with Walker. with 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 canine on that but it was like i mean both guys sort of cop to not you know executing it well enough but i yeah. think it was maybe more on the quarterback not being yeah that was a weird one there with those games yeah so uh, there was there were you know execution issues that later changed into scheme issues ultimately like doing a called keeper that involves a fake handoff that could um be lead to a fumble that's that's silly play calling right like sometimes especially when you have but that that same that i'll just interject and say that same play call worked really well with them previous i mean there were times with the with the with with the quarterback keepers with the fake handoffs that gino made a big play out of that too sure i mean that's fine like like, i don't think the play call is terrible it's just i think what i was saying is that they adjusted their scheme based on their poor execution at the start of the game and we're left with uh, a game plan that didn't have consistency and didn't stick together throughout the game and mm-hmm. so there wasn't a there wasn't an identity we complained yeah. a little bit at the start yeah. of the year when they were not super strong that they didn't have an identity and then penny went down and our identity became canine canine uh and then uh timely passing uh smart passing from gino Right. And so like when we found that for a while, it was working. And now K9's kind of hitting a little bit of a rookie wall. Uh, I would say, I think that um, the, 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 the teams were playing, I don't want to say they've caught up to Gino, but they're not surprised that Gino's good anymore. They just totally. accept that he's good. And so they know how to play. Him. They're respecting he's not, him. Yeah. yeah. They're respecting him. And so like, uh, I think all of that factors into this now, Am I worried that we lost to the Raiders? No, we lose to shitty teams all the time. And the Raiders have shown a lot of heart and a lot of fight in a, in the past oh. couple of games. They beat Denver twice. And I'm not saying yeah. Denver is good, but Denver has an elite defense and Josh Jacobs. And they, and the reason that the Seahawks were playing soft on Jacobs is because they have Devonte Adams. They have two all-world players on their team. In yeah, and Derek Adams. Carr is no slouch. I mean, he's and a Derek top Carr 10 quarterback. Is, he's been a top 10 quarterback uh, for a while. Um, and so, like, all those factors come into play. And, like, you're going to lose a game every once in a while. I, I, and none of this, you know, I, I want to caveat all this with none of this is life and death for me. Like, I don't I, I don't have and, – and that's not to say that it is for Curtis, but you care more than I do. Um, you – honestly like i care i when the seahawks lose i'm upset but it doesn't impact my mood beyond that moment um and so like i think that's a piece of it for me and knowing that uh my expectations at the start of year year didn't need to be tempered because (laughs) i was just in a position where i was like hey if they win some games that'll be great um and now here we are we're six and 
what is it, six and five, right? Six and five. We're, we still six have a and five. record. Yeah. And we still have some shitty teams on the schedule. I don't think we were playing down to Vegas. I think Vegas is largely underachieved this season. Agreed. Uh, yeah. In the same way that the Rams have, um, in the same way uh, that uh, the, Ra- uh, the Broncos have. And so, like, catch a team like that with some all-world players at the wrong time, and they're gonna run, and uh, they're gonna run 86 yards down your throat to end the game, and it happens. And it was a very entertaining game. It was a so super I was, entertaining I was game. pleased. And they I were going to win a game in Seattle. I mean, that was a ridiculous long. Yeah, 1989 record. or 1998 was yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, eventually those <laughs> had to break. And yeah, last season and this season, the reality is is that the Vegas Raiders are a good team who often lose by a very small margin. Mm-hmm. So yeah. You know, I are they a good team though? I don't think, I they're, think they're a team with talent. They're a team with talent. But I'll say they're a talented team that, that uh, they can catch any team in the league uh, on a good day and beat them. And they've got another shitty coach. Like let's. <laughs> right. I, was say, I mean, I think we're a team with talent who likes each other more. Right. Yeah. I don't know that we're a really good team right now, but we're a team of talent and a lot of it's young talent. And to, you know, to talk a little bit more about K9 and rookie status, you know, you look back at the when he was first breaking out and there was a lot of really great reads behind the line, a little patience, a little footwork. Mm. And as he's gotten, more attention and he is being asked to play this very large role what i'm seeing is a lot more hesitation and i, a lot I more see the same thing thinking and trying to trying to look for that extra cut mm-hmm. just yeah. acting on what he's supposed to do Agreed. and you add that with a line that's kind of falling apart and maybe not always giving him what he needs in a moment and you start to see that you know these losses behind the line because he can't break through because he missed that split second window that he was catching earlier in the season. Yeah. And I would say on the defense piece as well that we're talking about, if you go back and, and listen to our pod, even as we started, you know, we had a four game winning streak, which means we all got really excited. Mm-hmm. But the thing we said after that second win was they finally realized that they were playing the wrong defense and that they need to play to the talents. We were talking about how they have these talented players on defense and we're not playing to their talents. We're forcing them to do things that aren't what they're best at. And then there was this shift and we were all celebrating like, oh, they figured it out. And I think you're right, Curtis. I think it was like, oh, they figured it out. So now we can get them to do these other things. And that's mm. not, that wasn't the point. The point right. wasn't now we can get you to do what we want. The point was, this is your talent. Let's build on it. Yeah, let's lean into what's working. Yeah, yeah. To me, and maybe- to me I feel like on on the defensive side. I mean, I, I, I. This is just my own sort of take on it. I, you know, um, and I, I sort of feel like I'm pretty good over the years at sort of parsing what Pete Carroll says. I think he sort of, I think he sort of sends messages out in press conferences at the same time, trying to be protective and not call anybody out. Yeah, but I think that he's not happy with how how the defense is being coached right now. Yeah, and, I would agree with he that. He says he says things like, "We need to go back to honoring the run. We need to be going back to getting inside pass rush." And the things that I'm noticing is, as I was saying earlier, is like 
like when they like they were they were they were wreaking havoc in that four game stretch where they were doing all kinds of stunts and they were like they were just moving bodies and they were quick and they were just going and they just and then that just sort of stopped you know and i kind of feel like like i just wonder if there's a little bit you know, if there's a little bit of a headstrong nature with, you know, the new coaches that they brought in and trying to do this sort of other style of defense that suits I mean, what they want to do on the back end. But, you know, they can't do the stuff on the back end if all these guys are doing this type of stuff. You know what I mean? And so there's this kind of be a case of like, you know, everybody's always said the 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 real defensive coordinator of the Seahawks is Pete Carroll, right? The the defense is kind of his baby and his identity. So you got Pete Carroll, and then you have Clint Hurt and Sean Desai. Is there maybe a case of too many cooks in the kitchen? Well, here's the thing: is I don't I don't think that I think it's I think I think it's been a huge speculation with fans and some of like like the sports radio media people to say that like, you know, that, that it's, you know, it doesn't matter who's coordinating it. It's Pete's Carroll's thing. I don't think that's true at all from, and and the reason why is I think people closer to the team, like Dave Wyman and stuff like that have commented mm -hmm. that like, um, that it was, it was the coordinators that were calling the shots and Pete would just sort of like check in with them and was like, Hey, what are we going to do on this thing? And that thing and stuff like that. And it would only get to the point when the, when the, when the wheels would start to come off the carts on certain sort of aspects of the defense is when Pete would step in mm -hmm. and try and fix things. Which is stuff. what a coach should do. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of feel like we're probably the, the main reason why I'm still not, you know the sky is falling on the defense necessarily is because i think we're approaching a point now where pete's probably going to step in and go and like hey i want it done this way and i want this and i want that sort of thing like that yeah and that's well and there's where... there's talent there and you know yeah. i mean we've talked about this on the pod but win or lose like this season we're playing with house money so you know if we end up having a winning record going to the playoffs and doing something wow that would be really cool and, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, if we don't, we end up falling a little bit short and we get a higher draft pick, uh, you know, like that's kind of what maybe we were expecting a little bit with a young team. Um, whatever it is, they're super fun to watch every Sunday. So, I mean, you know, there's always that the games are, I still, are I mean, at the end, I, I, I thought we were going to beat. I thought, you know, when we uh, were in overtime and we got the ball back, I, I thought we were going like to get that. that I was convinced yeah. we were going to win that game, you know? Yeah. So. And this is the thing, like where the fuck did that uh, Raiders pass rush come from? Like, good God, they were all over Geno Smith. Um, so I, uh, they wanted it. So my hat's off to the Raiders. Uh, they won that mm -hmm. game. So good job. Good job, Raiders. And you know, and I, I don't know. I will just say in guys. closing of that game that the experience of walking out of that stadium, that sucked with the, with the Ra there were so many Raiders, Raiders fans there Orcs that decided oh to be like confrontational with Seahawks fans was just it just, it reminded me of like how much it's just like oh yeah yeah that's why i hated that team back when <laughs> we were in the afc west was those freaking fans like i've gone to a lot of seahawk games where i've gone to seahawk games where we lost to the rams and we've lost to the 49ers and we've lost to different like i've 
I've felt that kind of suck. But that kind of suck walking out of that stadium with somebody who's like trying to get into your face and scream at you about how your team sucks is just like, I'm like, God. Yeah. I want to end conversation about that game with two things. One, um, nobody gets a point. We all called it wrong. We all called it so yeah, wrong. Yeah, that was terrible. For me to give that wow. point to. And um, I just want to mention that um, my little pocket locket still got his touchdown. Mm-hmm. He did. I thought there were some great plays. Um, you know, uh, there were some super fun plays uh, on that offense. Uh, DK Metcalf had himself a game. I don't know what mm-hmm. his stats were. I don't know if they would have been uh, terrific, but he was all over the place and making yeah. like those tough plays. Um, I thought Gino balled out, you know, uh, there was the interception and then like that little fumble. But um, again, I thought Gino played well. Um, and uh DK had 11 for 90. That's, that's great. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I thought he was, he, he made really timely catches. Um, and then, uh, and you know, I, I always love seeing the tight ends get involved. So that was fun. Uh, it was Seattle's passing game was pretty strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even was. that intersection, the interception was um, uh, weirdly enough, uh, Tyler and DK screwed that whole concept up mm-hmm. by like running into each other on a deep scissor pattern and uh this is not scissors. the first time that has happened and i want that play to go away yeah <laughs> yeah this is not the first yeah. time yeah. they're going well, to they're they're knocking they're, one they're of them out they, yeah. they, i'm done with that play yeah um, Carol was kind of like i am done with talking like, about yeah, that yeah they screwed it up but maybe gino shouldn't have thrown it anyways like well so uh we got rams next we sure do yeah we got the Rams next. The Rams, um, Rams have. Uh, is Matt Stafford playing? No, no. So Matt Stafford's not playing, and then I think it was announced Aaron Donald's not playing. Is that right? Yeah, correct. So wow. So you know, two of their best players are out. Um, no Cooper Cup. No Cooper Cup. No Woof. Cooper Cup. No. Who's the other? They got the other starting. Um, the guy that they traded for from the uh, Bears last year, um, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's not officially out, but he has not played this. Uh, he has not played in practice this week. I don't think that's who you meant. Oh no, that's 49ers. <laughs> Ke- uh, yeah. is, it's not Keenan Allen. It's uh, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Yeah, Alan he's Robinson. done. They're they're pretty he's thin out. on offense, and and they've taken away the best defensive player but i feel like they'll probably still put up a good fight Defense- they haven't really put up a good fight all season though like they've defensively been playing- they've been pretty good but- that's fine but yeah. yeah yeah i just i feel like i feel like they spent all of their everything in order to um win the super bowl last year mm-hmm. and that's the reason you don't trade away all your fucking draft picks is because <laughs> At some point, you're going to need to draft younger players, and you can't just trade everything. So, I think we're seeing the end, to, an ending to that particular style of uh, GMing. Go ahead, Amelia. Sorry. This guy, I just say I do have injury concern for the Seahawks actually, because today a number of players there. did not practice due to illness. And while I am, I'm assuming this is a flu or something based on um, Damian Lewis, Travis Homer, Phil Haynes, and Al Woods 
Ah. I didn't play practice today due to illness. And that sounds like a flu to me. Mm -hmm. And while I expect they'll probably be fine on Sunday, problem with things like that kind of illness is they run rampant through a locker room. Yeah, exactly. So who's not, who's going to be sick by then? I'm a little concerned that we're going to get all excited for this game. (laughs) And then on Sunday, it's going to be like, so Gino and DK and Tyler and K9 all have the flu. <laughs> oh, so we get uh, Drew Locke going against. Right. So we'll be playing yeah. on the Rams level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and this game is in LA, right? Yeah. We're on the road. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Alana, what, how do you think this game is going to go? I, I don't think the Rams put up a fight. I think that they're done. Um, I, and I think that they uh, maybe score 10. Um, I mean, who's their backup quarterback? I don't know. Um, well, there's two different options that they can go through, and like, you know, McVay's doing the whole like, oh, it could be. This I don't know which one, one it's gonna be. I think they'll score 10 and we'll score 24, and it'll be a 24 to 10 victory. There, there's no home field advantage, uh, in LA. Um, no. Uh, the Rams sucked Seer, uh, and they don't have any offense. So, <laughs> sorry, I had a sneeze coming. I got a fart. <laughs> oh, silent though. <laughs> Curtis, uh, how's this game gonna go? Um. I'm 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 sort of lockstep with Alana on this one. I don't think the Rams are gonna have much of a chance in this one. Uh, but I've been saying this all season. <laughs> yeah, I know. With uh, I think no, I think I think I think this is the time where you know what they just gotta tear that that they gotta let those those pass rushers loose and just beat up on the Rams. I'm gonna say. Seahawks win 24-13, something like that. Millie, what do you think? Hold on, I got to write down 24-13 for Curtis. Um, yeah, normally uh, I worry a lot about Rams games because even when they've been really, really bad, we've still managed to lose. But um, – maybe that was just Russell Wilson we'll see uh and without Aaron Darnold I mean I don't I don't know what they're gonna do there so I definitely do think that this is not a kryptonite game and that there's just no we really should not lose this game barring illness knock on wood and so I think I am gonna go I'm gonna go 2113. Um, yeah, I, 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 I keep thinking about this game and I, I just don't see a scenario in which the Seahawks drop this one. Um, you know, barring that defense, not making any adjustments, but I have to imagine it's going to, I also kind of wonder if, um, against the Raiders, there was a little bit of that, you know, by hangover since it is such a young team. Um, I think they're going to be a little more focused. They're going to have their head in the game. Um, no Aaron Donald means I think Gino's going to be able to sling it. Um, and the Rams are missing all their offensive weapons. 
I think it's going to be like 34-13. I mean, I think it's going to be a giant blowout. I think the Seahawks uh, assert their dominance over the Rams. And uh, the NFC West has now gone to uh, the Seahawks and the Niners. I think the Rams are out. And I think Seahawks and Niners are on the rise. And for the next few years, it's going to be a rivalry again. Lord willing and the crick don't rise. Um, yeah, I think we're we're hopefully gonna score like it's a Kraken game. Uh, wow, man, you want to talk about some Kraken? <laughs> you Let's like that transition? Kraken. The Kraken, uh, their last game, the Kraken put up some football points. That's what the Kraken have been doing. <laughs> the so Kraken... if it would have been like touchdown points, that would have been a score of like 96 to like 84 or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Is that totally. how that would have went? It would have been, it would have been like, uh, yeah, it would have been like 52-50 kind of a thing. Um, uh, It was funny because the Kraken social media team is really good. And uh, in that final score in OT, uh, the Kraken were like, we get the touchdown and the two-point conversion. (laughs) Uh, Because they won by nine points. Um, The Kraken have been scoring all over the place. The Kraken in November, uh, they won 10 games. They lost one outright, and then they lost one in overtime. So out of 12 games, they came away with uh, points in all but one of them. That's really good. Uh, They are hot on the heels of the Vegas Golden Knights. The Vegas Golden Knights uh, have played two more games than them and have only four more points than them, uh, which means the the Kraken are right on pace. Um, Can I just interject real fast and say how much I hate Vegas teams? The freaking the freaking Raiders came up here and freaking beat us. I paid good money to watch Sue Bird in her final freaking yeah. game series get fucking beat by the Vegas Aces. Dirty well, you know what? Uh, the Kraken played Vegas last week and they beat them. Good. So take that, Vegas. Good. Uh, the the Kraken are coming to play. Um, uh, the Kraken have the fifth best record in the league. Um, and uh, they ain't slowing down. Uh, they're on a six-game win streak. That's the winningest team in the NHL right now. Um, and they're doing it. The, this is the, the exciting thing, uh, I think, about the Kraken. They're doing it a million ways, which means they're playing playoff hockey. Uh, they're beating teams in low-scoring uh, games. They're beating teams in overtime thrillers. They're beating teams in high-scoring shootouts uh and uh and they're beating teams by uh just dominating them by like five to one um they're scoring points in all quarters and they're scoring points with all four of their lines Mm -hmm. Um, maddie beneers just keeps getting better uh and the burkowski was like the big free agent they brought in this season um he's leading the team in points right now Um, So like everything that they worked for, for this season is happening. And, uh, and I think it's just really exciting. And uh, except for like the last few games, goaltending has been pretty good. Um, They have the (laughs) fifth best off or the, yeah, fifth best offense in the, in the league. It's just a, it's a fun time to be a Kraken fan. (laughs) It is a fun time to be a Kraken fan. Um, I just went to a game last week and I just want to talk a little bit about the fan experience because I went to who were they playing what was the game 
Oh, um, yeah, it was the Sharks. It's the one uh -huh. where we scored eight to five. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I sent you all pictures. <laughs> I'm trying to remember exactly what the score was. But um, no, it was it was it was a huge blowout. It was the until you know two days ago, it was the most we'd ever scored in <laughs> Yeah, and then we scored nine. <laughs> and then yeah. we scored nine. Yeah. yeah. Um, but as someone who went to a few games last season, and this was our first game this season, um, the fan experience uh for the most part is improved. Uh a lot of really neat additions. They've they've changed the opening um for better or for worse i kind of enjoyed the old one but the new one um the new one's a lot of fun and the mascot buoy is is a great addition like we don't have somebody who's you know getting the crowd into it got the flag you know leading some stuff that's always a good thing um and they had bands last year but this year every single game has a band a local band oh, cool. um that performs during the breaks and um what was the one other thing? oh and the music just in general is better across the board but they've also added a live organ player so there's, nice. <laughs> yeah there's just a lot of stuff and of course um because it's one of my favorite things in the world it just so happened this was not planned because they didn't announce the giveaways in advance um it was the very first ever crack and bobblehead night. So here what? is my oh, Yanni Gord. The Yanni Gord bobblehead. bobblehead. That, man, that's a collector's item. It sure is. And look is at Is that the fish? Is that what he's holding? Yeah, so he's holding the salmon, which uh -huh. for, for folks who don't know, when we win at the end of the game, they throw a stuffed salmon into the crowd for somebody to catch. Um, he's got a cute little um, visor shield over his face that you can't see very well. Um, hold on, let me put it in front of mine. There it is. It's kind of shiny. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, I just I love bobbleheads and I love little Yanni Gord and I'm very excited <laughs> that we got those. And Whoa. shout out to the Krakens, making sure that there was one for every fan. None of this first 10,000 bullshit. Mm -hmm. That's the way it should be. Yeah, I agree. Well, especially because awesome. you always see it like the baseball games, some asshole with 20, and you're like, um, uh, I know. Really? Yeah. Drives me crazy. That's awesome. I like Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord this season, uh, he's got some swag. He's out there chirping. He's he's picking fights. I, I like him. Yeah. He's got he's some swag history going. History, too. He's yeah. I know. Yeah. I, here's the, you know, the thing I like about the Kraken is watching, uh, is watching the post game stuff. Because, you know, you always watch like uh, the Seahawks after a win and it's a party and the music is bumping and uh, everybody's like, you know, their shirts off and they're cheering and Pete Carroll's getting them fired up. And then the Kraken, they're all just kind of like sitting around in the locker room with their beers and uh, and and Haxtell, you know, they're all Canadian. Haxtell just kind of goes around. And he goes, yeah, well, that was a really good game, eh? You know, the, yeah, it feels good to win. Yeah, you did some good stuff. Uh, Gordon Gordo over there, he played a good game. Good job, good job. And uh, and I just like that. You know, I like that. <laughs> but uh, Curtis, you went to a you went to a game last last week. Oh my god, so much fun! Yeah, now I I um you know the whole NHL experience for me uh, ramps up um uh a uh, hundred times. Uh, 
over uh, when I'm there live than when yeah. I'm watching, you know, my pirated copy off my computer because I don't have the uh, the root. Because you don't have root sports. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm I'm always nervous of you know viruses and stuff like that. So I don't always do that. I give my wife's computer a virus she'll never talk to me again um <laughs> so uh so it's like it's either like i uh so i listen to it on the radio and that's no fun and games and stuff like that i guess i'm not just on hockey yeah I I, 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 I I i just wish they were not root like i just kind of can we get just, rid of root yeah. i mean i mean it's climate pledge arena can we just put them on amazon prime for crying this out is what i'm saying it's just like you know Huh? Let me watch my game on ESPN Plus for the love of Christ. Yes, yes. I mean, I love the Kraken. They're they 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 are quickly becoming, you know, maybe my second favorite. You know, uh, I mean, it's hard to say between you know because I still have deep love for the Storm and everything like that. But I I am definitely more engaged as a spectator with hockey than I am baseball. Uh, I just like you know. I like the chaos and the violence and all that sort yeah. of shit. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's fun for me and it's fun live. Um, and it was fun when they were playing, uh, who did they play? They played, um, they played the Kings and it went into overtime. And um, uh, I was, it was right there on my side when. Oh, that's uh, when uh, Ebsy got the, uh, the yeah, overtime when he, goal. When yeah. He, yeah. And he just took off down the side of the rink and went right to the goalie and smacked it right in there. And it was beautiful. And it, it's just, yeah, it's just, I, I love the, um, you know, it just feels like there's pageantry sort of involved with it, but that's also like with all the pop culture and the music and the, you know, I just, yeah, I can see myself going to like multiple games, maybe, you know, um, buying like, you know, like blocks of tickets and stuff like that, if they're available. So I'm, I can, I can see my kid actually like really digging um hockey like yeah. i just think I, I think my kid's kind of a physical kind of kid that likes to smash into things and shit like Should that like, there. yeah yeah I mean, the we're actually talking about like getting him you know up there at that you know that practice rank and like... uh, yeah yeah at the former northgate mall yeah <laughs> um we should all go to a kraken game i think we i think that'd be fun. absolutely i love the pageantry of the nhl i i it's operatic to me i think it's just so over the top in all the ways that i uh i love um i'm having a lot of fun um uh another team i had fun with uh this season was the uw huskies who kind of uh, i don't know i i i uh i love the hire of the coach um DeBoer uh Curtis you and I had talked about that um mm -hmm. and I, I I didn't have necessarily high expectations um and they absolutely blew me away uh this season nine to two um and if USC uh beats Utah in the Pac-12 title then the Huskies will be going to the Rose Bowl um and that's so what's who's got to win that game usc because if USC. usc wins uh the pac-12 title they'll be going into the playoffs so we'll be going to the rose bowl so then we'd be going to the rose bowl because we would have the the better ranking um it honestly the huskies should be playing um in the pac-12 title over utah but um you know the pac-12 tiebreakers are dumb um uh but man um 
I that team was really fun to watch. Uh, that um, that Apple Cup was spectacular, um, and the man who made that. I mean, the whole season, uh, Michael Penix Jr., um, which, you know, arguably put his stamp uh, on this season as the best college quarterback, um, you know. Statistically, is. 2022, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a question on whether he is going to come back, uh, because he can. He'll be a senior next year, so he could return um, and have another go uh, with the UW Huskies uh, or he could declare for the draft. Um, I'd love to see him back, but I understand why he would declare for the draft. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility for him to be chosen in the first round. Um, it's probably more realistic that he'd be going like the second or third, but um, you know, he's got a, he's got an injury history. He's yeah. like where he, when he was in Indiana, each of the seasons that he played there, he came down with a significant injuries and that makes me think that that will make you know that will make um pro gms nervous about potentially like i don't like if if he goes round one i think it's i think it's in the second half of round one where maybe totally trades back into the first round to grab him if they really like him but yeah like i think he's more likely it might be in his best interest to go back I, I think so too. And, and and do it again and um and then you know like really solidify the potential of him being a top five pick next year. Look, if he's got an injury history and he uh has had what is an outlier of a season, mm-hmm. uh then he needs to go to the draft because that's how he's gonna make his money. And yeah. he you know, like I I I hear what you're saying like he can maybe improve his stock even more but like if he goes in the back half of the draft he's gonna end up on a competent team as opposed to a team like the jets um who will ruin a quarterback you know the jets will have a medium pick but like um he won't end up uh on houston right um right he'll end up with like uh i don't know for example tampa. uh tampa yeah exactly and he's from, then, he's or from Atlanta. Uh, or Atlanta. He could, he or could end up on New the New Orleans. He could end up. So, so like, this is the only contribution I have about college football because I think it's terrible um, uh, overall. Uh, but just like, if you have the opportunity to get out, get get out. Uh, so, because so, you don't want to so injure you, yourself. You're aware that college players make money now off of him. I'm aware of that. Yeah often paid and i'm also i'm also i mean that's not my only beef with college football Mm -hmm. um the 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 number one public employee in every single state except for one is a college football coach or college basketball coach Mm -hmm. uh and that's ludicrous that is a like the the fact that these people who are uh grooming children in a way are making this much money is ludicrous so like and we give them too much power so that's one of my problems with college football it's also i don't like i'm not a person who likes to watch the game because of the passion of the people playing i'm a person who likes to watch the game played competently and there's so much garbage play especially in college basketball but also in college football where it's like god this is dull and then in college football the games last like 
45 to minutes to an hour longer than pro football games. And yeah, it's just it, like, it's Ugh. because and it's, I all wish... media, it's all commercials. It's all. <laughs> and also the I, clock stops. I, that's the one thing I wish they would change in the college game is uh, because the clock stops every time there's a first down. And I wish they would just let the play go like the NFL because mm-hmm. it does end up being like four hours. And it's like, geez, man, like yeah. this game started at 730 and it's like midnight now. But, um, if, but if, if it's meant to be a regional fan of the college team, like, yeah, that by all means. Like, 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 I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 I'm sort of a, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a casual Husky fan, you know, casual fan of college football altogether. I watch college football because it's, it's essentially, it's the farm system for the NFL. So I'm always interested on like what the talent is coming up from college that I'm going to be seeing on Sunday. So that's the reason. And why I'll I- tell you what I don't do either is I don't watch Tacoma Rainiers or uh, Everett Aqua Sox games. <laughs> sure, like, sure, you sure. know, so like I want, if I want to watch sports, I want to see it played competently. Um, that's why I like watching the WNBA. That's why I like watching like the world cup. That's why I like watching all these things where it's the, top athletes at the peak of their form who are also playing for passion yeah well i think michael Penix jr does play that game competently and i like him i totally get why he would uh declare for the draft and if i was his manager i would that's probably what i would be advising him to do for exactly what you said alana which is like if this is his outlier season where he hasn't been injured maybe um let's declare for the draft now instead of risking getting injured um next season but as a fan of the washington huskies who just uh wants to see more michael Penix jr and uh and kaylin DeBoer uh make another run at it i'd love to see him back in the purple <laughs> Yeah. Um, he was just super fun to watch. Great story. Um, uh, I, 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 I think he's NFL ready, uh, the way he plays that game and the mastery he has of that offense. He was only sacked five times because he was able to distribute the ball that quickly. Um, I, I, I and uh, I, I mean, Pete Carroll, John Schneider, if you're listening, I think. Oh, Michael John Penix... Schneider was John Schneider was there at the sidelines. Oh, he of, better be because uh, that Michael Penix Jr. fits that Shane Waldron offense to a T. Yeah. Um, I, I I am on the record of not preferring Seattle to uh, draft a quarterback at least early next. Like I just I I I I say go with the hot hand that they got right now. Keep Geno, keep him around for multi years. But if they do go quarterback um and i've watched a lot of the different ones that are being really hyped up right now um i think i i i think i think i think Penix is 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 a better passer than some of the guys that they're saying you know like the guy from ohio state and yeah. you know i just i just there's something about Penix. he's very smooth you know yeah, I agree. And he's got that toughness and he's got that story that uh, the Pete Carroll likes. And he's got that dog in him. And he's got that dog in him. <laughs> uh, how about that World Cup? That was a, that was a thriller for uh, USA. Um, yeah. Go ahead. 
Oh, I was just going to say when Pulisic, I watched the whole game uh, while I was working. And uh, when Pulisic put that goal in, uh, he went down and I was like, oh, he has an exploded testicle. Like just the way that things happened, it, it like that was the injury that I'm pretty. And he's he says he's coming back and he's got like a groin contusion. Um, oh, is that what is is that technically what it is officially is I, a groin contusion? Uh, yeah, and and I mean we I know heard from, like abdominal injury. Yeah, I was like, is I it, it abdominal? Was an abdominal yeah, I mean we're dealing with the Mitch Haniger here, right? Like, yes, yeah, um, yeah. And he, if he's gonna play with that situation, like, like that, that's meaningful. That's meaningful. Um, yeah, totally. So can and, you imagine and, the cortisone shot right there? You know, like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, not, not the best. Um, I love the world cup. Uh, I love the concept of the world cup. It, it slots very cleanly in line with the Olympics for me. I love the fact that mm. um, you get uh, soccer at whatever hour of the day, every day of the week, and you can watch it and engage with it. I love the fact that on Saturday, I'm going to get up at six so I can watch that game. Uh, and then I'm going to go play basketball afterwards. I love that we're playing Netherlands because like I have had long fascination with that soccer team. It's part of the reason why my favorite color is orange. It's going to be a really fun game in that regard. Um, so there's, there's a whole lot that I love about the world cup. Unfortunately, this year's world cup is in Qatar, and Qatar is not a democracy and Qatar does not allow for um, any sort of political dissidence. And so when somebody comes on, comes into the stadium wearing a rainbow armband, he gets kicked out and fears for his life because the Qatari uh, government is vehemently standing in the way of any sort of protest that is in support of uh, queer identities. Um, and uh, the problem is, is that when you go to a place like Qatar, when you go to a place like unfortunately, South Africa, that have these longer histories of um, managing things poorly, let's say, uh, then you have to, you have to navigate the moral quandary of like, can I watch and support this event without being able to do anything about the things that are happening? Because it's not just, you know, public uh, resistance and dissidence. It's, the fact that they brought in migrant workers, primarily from India, put them to work in 150 degree heat, building these stadiums that, frankly, they should have had when they won the bid for the World Cup. There's a really great John Oliver piece that's all about the Qatari um, uh, uh, experience in bringing these games in. And there's just so many issues that are at play and it's so transparently obvious that FIFA and the people who voted on where it was going to be took the bribe. They just, they yeah. cut or paid each individual um, uh, voter a million dollars to vote for Cutter. Um, and like they did. And that's how that whole system works. All that said, those American boys are playing some solid soccer. They should have beaten England. They just didn't get that goal. Tyler Adams is fucking amazing. I encourage you to go find him uh, being asked a question from an Iranian 
um, journalist who calls him out for saying Iran incorrectly and then asks how he can justify uh, playing for a country that has racial disharmony uh, in a way to try and kind of show what um, the Iranian people are going through right now with regard to everything that's happening there. Um, and his answer was, I'm sorry, I mispronounced your country. Thank you for correcting me on that. And then he went off into how his particular experience as uh, the child of white parents, a black child of white parents uh, has impacted his, his life and experience. And it's tremendous. Um, it's a really I, beautiful interview um, response. Uh, yeah. and that whole team, there's a number of of players, and I don't know their names as well as I wish I did, but there are a number of players on that team who are just, to me, the, the things that can get you excited about the U.S. men's team that has not been true yeah. um, for a long time. There's a really great group of men on this team, and their heads are in the right places, and they truly are playing for their their country or chosen country in a couple of circumstances uh that is really inspiring and if you don't normally watch the world cup and it's maybe not your thing um i would urge you to watch the game on saturday and if through some miracle we were to win you better watch them the whole rest of the way yeah because i feel like you're talking to me is there, we're going against a juggernaut, like mm-hmm. yeah. are not supposed to win. We could easily go down five nil, but it's the heart and the way that they're playing is exciting and beautiful. And I'm sorry, I haven't been able to watch more games. I got to watch the England game, which was great. Um, and I'm, I have more thoughts, but Alana, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. If you oh, were. I just wanted to say one other thing is if you go and watch some footage from the end of that Iran game, uh, after they won, and like almost to a man, the United States players were finding Iranian players, hugging them, praying with them, comforting them, mm-hmm. saying things like, we have a brotherhood, even though we're from different countries and different places and we think different things, and that brotherhood is on the pitch. I mean, there are beautiful pictures. I'm looking at one right now of Josh Sargent, Sargent and uh, DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Edlin, who is a Sounders player, um, holding an uh, Iranian player on the ground who is clearly weeping. And it's like that level of sportsmanship that's being demonstrated. Who Also, it's like, I should say, Japan is is making waves for that too. They clean up after themselves, after the games, they clean out yeah. the locker room and then leave origami for the next team. I love uh, and that. Then, and then all the all the you would love this Curtis all of the uh fans the Japanese fans come armed with plastic bags and they clean up the stadium after the game like that is part of their honor culture um in terms of engaging with sport so clearly not Raiders fans clearly not Raiders fans (laughs) so there's a lot of beauty in this game and a lot of beauty in these young men who are putting their testicles out there for consumption and destruction uh, and for country. Uh, Thank you, U.S. players, for putting your testicles on the line uh, for the honor of uh, winning a World Cup. And I think Millie had more some a story she wanted to share about her appreciation of the World Cup. Well, I, 
I do. We're short on time. So I don't know if I, I will tell that whole story. I, all I can say is that I, um, I was not a, a huge soccer fan when I moved here, just like most of the sports we talk about. Um, it was the 2006 World Cup in Germany was the first time I watched the World Cup. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what got me hooked. And there's a much longer story about, um, God, this pie I've got into fantasy football, basically about winning a whole bunch of bets through T-Mobile on my phone. And I won a prize. So, you know, I had this great duffel bag from the 2006 World Cup. It's really cool. Um, any hoozle, what I wanted to say too is, uh, yeah, the, I also urge everyone to understand the background of why this is such a contentious world cup and what's going on in Qatar. It is disgusting. Um, hundreds and hundreds of migrants died (laughs) building stadiums for a sporting event that you should already have the infrastructure for the most part to do when you are granted this gift mm-hmm. um, the world cup is is coming here next um but as con- part of CONCACAF, it's it's <laughs> it's in canada it's in the u.s it's in mexico it's going to be a really interesting um split of how they're doing it here uh i look forward to that i the one thing i will say was sort of the moral conundrum of how do you watch and support this because it's very difficult on the one hand we're pouring off our money into it and the financial support is is ugh, if you follow the money it gets really gross oh, mm-hmm. FIFA is like- this this is this is this is what i've heard about fifa for a number of years right i mean they, they got rid of everyone because yeah. they, they they were also corrupt right mm-hmm. these people are no longer in charge but new people are and half of them are probably corrupt already i for me, that moral question gets pushed aside when you see the attention that it also brings to a lot of these issues. There have been a lot, uh, there's a lot of coverage of how Qatar has handled people coming into stadiums who have those rainbow armbands, people trying mm-hmm. to come to the country who had a rainbow flag in their in their luggage. You know, that there are members of the press who have been detained but it's all coming to light because of the national spotlight. Mm-hmm. The idea, especially for this the- time, I just want to add this time it's happening. It's right. ha- it didn't happen in the same way for a lot of the Olympics and a lot of prior um, right. experiences. But go but ahead. These, Sorry. These, these people, like the the Iran, the um, my brain always goes sideways because it's not Iran. It's no, it's Iran. It's, it's Iran. not Iran. Not Iran. It's Iran. Woof. Or it's um, not Iran. I, I always so. said it right, and then I got really confused. But um, anyway, mm-hmm. you know, these people are. These men did some silent protesting, which mm-hmm. they got in big trouble for. There were a number of fans in the stands who um, made clear that they they are protesting, that they are supporting the uprisings that are happening in that country they risk life and limb doing it. Some of these players are going to go home and they are going to be in trouble. But they also had a platform in which to bring attention. And that's where, for me, I can move to the morality of it isn't- Oh no, we lost Millie. We lost Millie. Oh, there she is. Oh, there she we is. Got her back. Oh, she's I can back. still hear you. <laughs> oh, good. 
Um, yeah, the countries that we don't know a lot about, struggles we don't know a lot about. And mm -hmm. yes, my internet connection is unstable. So I will end it there. Um, but I, I watch the World Cup. It's, it's inspiring. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Super fun. Um, yeah. And, and, uh, and the U.S. is in uh, the 16, right? The top 16. I'm going to say one more quick thing. The U.S. women's national team gets a cut of the winnings that the men are winning because of an agreement that they laid out. They are now paid uh, equal footing with the US, US men's national team. That's amazing. NBA. And it's a split. Take note. Man, that's yeah. awesome. Uh, should we get into Dorkin? You want to dork out about some things? Can sure. I start? I, uh, I was watching right before, uh, right before we started recording. Um, the, the new season of Rami is out on on hulu has have any of you watched rami i saw one and a half seasons uh um, and then we just lost track yeah i uh was a big fan of it uh so rami i think their second season concluded in 2020 it's been a while since since it's been on um i, I that was one of my you know, lockdown era pandemic shows. Um, I just fell in love with it. I thought it was incredible. And uh, the third season um, is just as good, if not better. Uh, Rami is um, written by a comedian, also named Rami, um, who is Muslim. Um, he's uh, first generation uh, Egyptian. Uh, his, so his 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 family, his parents are from Egypt, uh, and he grew up in the United States. Um, and the TV show is about his struggles with his identity, um, being you know like a traditional Muslim in America, uh, being an American with expectations from his Egyptian parents. Um, so he's kind of being pulled apart. Um, culturally in a million different ways that he just can't reconcile with himself. And it kind of breaks him a little bit. And, and Rami doesn't know who he is and ends up making a lot of poor decisions because of it. Um, and in, in kind of honest ways, and while the show can veer off into um, some more absurdist elements, uh, not nearly to the level at of Atlanta does, but flirting with it, it really grounds itself in a very real reality. And uh, and what I appreciate about it is um, you can feel all of, like you can feel that Rami went through that himself in, in real life. Um, and uh, and I, I think it's really great. I think it's hilarious, but also very poignant and at times extremely hard to watch just because you're you're watching him um on a train going off a cliff and you know you're like Robbie don't do it ah, don't do it um it's really great uh and uh I I just recommend everybody watch it it's on Hulu that's what I got Millie what do you got um well I, I kind of got two things I'll try to go quick uh the first is i can't remember if it was you alana that brought up avenue five not long ago mm -hmm. so because of that i was like all right i gotta revisit this show because i i feel like i kind of liked it i know i only watched i think maybe the first three episodes tops maybe only two and i it didn't quite 
grabbed the hubs and I and my humor, it just wasn't, it wasn't right for me. And I just have to say, sometimes your tastes and your humor change, your perspective changes. And I now think it's hilarious. Um, it's a lot of fun. I don't have a lot of comedies, so it's really nice to have a comedy. It's so ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's, it's the so other funny. like really good stupid TV show. What, They're what so is, dumb. So what what like in the shadows. Okay, it's stupid like what we do in the shadows, stupid. Yeah. Yeah, but excellent. Well, what, it Go ahead. what it reminds me of is Space Force, as far yeah. as the humor. Okay. For me, that's that's where it landed. Um, in this sort of ridiculous, these people don't have these jobs. Like, oh my God, these people are caricatures, but at the same time, they're not. And these circumstances are ridiculous, and yet you could totally see people behaving this way. So it's it's just a lot of it's a lot of fun. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's just and the poop jokes. I mean, come on, Curtis. There's poop jokes. Uh, poop jokes. Who, doesn't, who doesn't love a good poop joke? Oh yeah, God. it's a running poop deal in this. Yeah. My household is all about poop jokes. <laughs> it's Armando Iannucci, Daniel. So there are there's some oh. really really creative cursing. Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing that I was trying to see if anybody else had seen, because it probably requires conversation, no spoilers, but 1899, I kind of just kept wanting to quit it, but I couldn't. Um, I Is did that really the one that's a, like a prequel to... Um... No. No. Oh. Um, it's not it... related to Yellowstone. Yellowstone, no. yeah. It's from the people like, who brought you Dark. It's okay. Yeah, so if you liked Dark... Um, you should try it. If you don't know what dark is, you can try it. Um, it's, it's complicated and multi-layered, but uh, God, it frustrated the heck out of me. And I, I kind of wanted to know, and I kind of didn't care, but I pushed through and saw the whole thing. And I'm kind of curious about what happens next. Supposedly there's like a three-year plan with this plot. So we'll see. Um, I don't know if I can actually recommend it, but if you like dark, if you like kind of weird, German stuff. Um, <laughs> you could go there. My mom was weird German stuff. That's uh, I like it. So Millie is kind of into it, and if you like weird German stuff, give it a shot. That's our recommendation for, for that for eighteen ninety nine. <laughs> weird German stuff, and Millie's not sure about it. And that's that's our recommendation. <laughs> is that what you got? Yeah, Curtis, what it. do you got? uh you know kind of in the same sort of realm as millie about like starting something and going like god this is this isn't my thing at all and then like going back to it and being blown away um uh the season finale of andor uh just blew my doors off the other night when i watched it uh it's a very i don't know if any of the four of you like gone powered through the show yet i um, not yet yeah it's it's got so it's got episodes that are really really great and that that really grab you and then there's other ones where it's like come on let's go let's move the story along you know and but like the build-up for like where it goes to with like the last three episodes including the finale which um has a terrific um sort of conclusion to it but also a cliffhanger for season two and thank god there's going to be a season two of this um is some of the best 
television I think I've seen all year. And this actually might might be like my favorite watch. Uh, in really? terms of all the shows I've been watching. So, uh, yeah, like, it, like it really, like these last few episodes, just like, holy shit, this is really great. Like, this is just, this, it is so beyond, like, I'm a Star Wars dork. I have been since I was like seven years old. But like, this is, this is beyond Star Wars. This is like, this is, this is like, I mean, yeah, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool shit. I will <laughs> say, I think, and, uh, you pushed along a lot further. We had only watched the first two episodes and it was like, uh, and or, eh, yeah, and or. Yeah, I was there. I was in there. We were so excited. We mm-hmm. pushed through and now it's like, want to watch Andor? Want to watch Andor? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're catching up yeah. quick. Yeah, I'm excited that they've, 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 you know, they're going into a second season of it. Um, yeah. Um, and then the other thing is, <laughs> I watched the, uh, guardians of the galaxy that no, was very fun just, it so was good. just it was it was everything i just needed it to be it was i mean just it everything that you would think of what that title suggests is in that it's in in a true guardian sort of style and manner and i just um i will probably um that will be a thing that i will probably uh revisit time and time again i'm back i sort of felt like after i watched it it was just like now shit do i i kind of feel like i want to sort of go back and watch volume one volume two and then some of the you know the um and then the 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 avenger films at the end that they appeared in to like to tie it all into sort of that sort of thing like that just because i mean it's my it's my favorite it's my favorite Marvel franchise. Like I just, I, 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 I'm a landscaper. My, my business name is gardens of the galaxy. Uh, I just, um, you know, I go by the, uh, the moniker out there in the landscaping world, yard Lord, you know, my, uh, my, uh, worker is, is that a, is that a given name? Is that a given name? Yard Lord, is that your given name? No, my given name is Curtis. My other no, I, given name. Sorry, it was a, it was a stupid joke. Oh. I was really surprised because at first I was like, oh boy, here we go when I started it. And by the end, I was like, whoa, that was tight. Like they wrapped yeah. up a lot of stuff. I was like, how are they even yeah. going to get back mm-hmm. to all of this other stuff? And how are we going to wrap this up in a good way? And just stellar like the i really kudos to the writers because the way that that all wraps up is beautiful and kevin bacon is a gift we don't deserve and <laughs> the, the ripping that they do on kevin bacon is phenomenal and it's like i mean i'm a huge kevin bacon fan you know but like uh yeah i just like it's everything it's everything that you would think that would be in a Guardians of the Galaxy Hollywood special, holiday special, holiday Hollywood. There you go. Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Check it out. Uh, Alana, what are you talking um, about? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to rapid fire a little bit. Um, uh, White Lotus season two is a gift. It's better mm-hmm. than season one. Uh, I just heard a theory about it that I am so geeked out about, but none of you are watching it. So like I, it doesn't wouldn't make any sense for me to share 
Um, but uh, just I'm going to put the word cousins into the atmosphere. Um, those who watch it will know what I'm talking about. Uh, sorry, nep nephew, uncle relationship, rather. Um, so there's that. Uh, then there is Fleischman is in trouble, which I'm delighted by, and it's made for our generation, generally. I know y'all are a little bit older than me, but I think it fits really well. Um, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the shit out of that. Uh, um, uh, Sex Lives of College Girls second season is on. They filmed a lot of it at UW. Um, and it's just like Sex in the City, but younger. Uh, I didn't like watch Sex in the City or anything, but it's it's an interesting examination of current era uh, college politics and things like that. And I like it. Um, Abbott Elementary is exceptional. Uh, Ghost is exceptional. That's my TV. Um, uh, for movies, uh, I went and saw Glass Onion. It's phenomenal. It's better than Knives Out. Uh, mm. And um, uh, it does the thing that, um, and this is not a spoiler, but it does the thing that that really good mysteries do, where at the start of the movie, it introduces you to a concept or an object or a relationship or a person and doesn't pay a lot of attention to it. It's just kind of in there for a moment or a, or a way that like in the first one, how she vomits when she lies like that type of thing and then about then later in the movie about 10 seconds before a big reveal happens you're like oh wait what about this thing and then that thing's brought up again and it's like oh shit and it, but it's you're not figuring that out 20 minutes before it happens you're figuring it out just before it happens so you get that like thrill i figured it out and then it delivers and you're like oh my god i was right and it was but you were only right for 10 seconds and you're only right because they wanted you to be right uh, yeah. and and in that way it's so brilliantly written wonderfully performed great story loved it uh high recommend uh my kid loved it too um so and it's, it's the type of thing that she could get into uh second i think i mentioned tar if i didn't you should see tar um third vengeance which is a movie that was uh written and directed by bj novak of office fame uh is a story about a new york podcaster who is investigating a crime in Texas. Uh, and it's really about the difference between uh, the kind of New York mentality of the way things are and the Texas mentality of the way things are. And it takes a turn at the end that is like, when it happened, I was like, because it was like really good up till that point. But then it understands that they drove the car off the road. But based on the writing of the end of the movie, that car clearly had a parachute and landed perfectly. So it was like, oh, awesome. Good job. Good idea doing that. Um, and then the last one is probably my strongest recommend, um, which is the movie I'm Totally Fine. It comes out of the um, workaholics writing world with also people from the What We Do in Shadows writing world. But it is not similar to either of those in tone at all. Um, there are like six actors in the movie. It is a showcase for Jillian Bell, who was in Workaholics, and for Natalie Morales, who is uh, amazing. Um, and the concept of it is that uh, Natalie Morales and Jillian Bell are partners of a soda company, um, like business partners. And then uh, Natalie Morales dies. <clears throat> but it turns out, that Jillian Bell is visited by an alien who takes the form 
of Natalie Morales so that she can do experiments on her as a human. And in exchange, she gets to spend an extra 48 hours with her dead best friend. And this is a methodology that's being used by this alien community to understand who humans are. And it is a beautiful, hilarious, and meaningful exploration of um, uh, friendship and what friendship can mean and how uh, losing and grief and loss and how losing somebody uh, can impact you in the most surprising of ways. Um, and it's, it's truly tremendous. Um, Natalie Morales has a uh, extremely charming, I am human type of delivery throughout the entire movie because she's an alien. Um, and I, I cannot recommend it enough. You can find it on any of the, it's in theaters now, but you can rent it for like $6.99. It's like an hour and a half um, of your time. Uh, I, I, it's wonderful. What's it so, called again? I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. Thank you. Yeah. And it's really like, it was really uh, uh, enlightening to me. I've always thinking about like my friendships and relationships with people and uh, being a trans woman, like, like were my friendships like traditionally masculine when I was raised masculine um, uh, or are, have they always been kind of feminine? Because I deeply identified with this relationship. And I think that that was because of the right, because the writing was strong enough to make it be or to to represent truth of friendship, truth of deep, meaningful friendship, regardless of gender, regardless of identity, um, uh, because the, the, it was a friendship that was being captured that was meant to be like thirty years old. Um, it's it's wonderful. Uh, and then um, Guillermo from What We Do in the Shadows is in it for uh, a hot minute, uh, and Blake from Workaholics, who's always been the charming one of workaholics, but gets, gets the least work is in it. Uh, so it's, it's, I, I, I loved it. So that's my spiel. Awesome. Well, uh, hey, this was fun. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast and you like it, you should subscribe to it. So hit that plus button or that follow button, you know, wherever you're listening to it, you can find it on Apple and Spotify and, Google and I don't know all the other places you can find our podcast and if you can't find it let us know and we'll put it on there uh and you should uh, you should check out Curtis's blog 12life.com he's always got really good stuff on there um and uh you know if you need your landscaping gun done gardens of the galaxy said both of my checks have been stolen <laughs> yeah so Curtis really needs the money so uh yeah you need your landscaping done gardens of the galaxy give him a call um once again my name is daniel from millie curtis alana the rest of the 12s saying goodbye and go hawks go hawks go hawks go 